Welcome to the Breaking to Startups podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds that broke into tech. Today, we're speaking with Dan Piquette, who is the founder of Launch Academy, a coding bootcamp with campuses in Boston and Philly. Dan's personal mission is helping people become the best versions of themselves. And in this episode, we cover the importance of curiosity, plays in being a proficient learner, whether you're learning how to code or any other skill. If you're listening to this podcast, then you are already in a select group of folks who are in the pursuit of becoming the best versions of themselves. And over the last few months, we've had an amazing outreach from our fans asking for specific next steps they could take to break into tech. We listen to you guys and put together the Breaking the Startups five-step challenge. If you go to breakingthestartups.com forward slash challenge, you can learn all about the challenge and the instructions. The main objectives of the five steps is to get you connected with others who have similar backgrounds and interests to you. Learn about various roles in tech and how to acquire those skills, how to tell your story from the position of power, and most importantly, how to build relationships with people in tech who will become your biggest advocates. As always, give us your feedback by dropping a review. It's not only the best way to tell us and our team about what you think of this podcast, but it will also help us tailor the stories to what you, the audience, wants to hear. Now, without further ado, please enjoy this episode and let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10x. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer and Timor Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so today we're recording another episode. And it's 8 a.m. on a Thursday morning. It's actually our second interview of the day. And um, we're recording uh, this interview over Skype. In the past, we've recorded a lot of our interviews um, with the guests who were in the Bay. But we're realizing that our listeners are everywhere now. They are in Midwest, they're on the East Coast, in New York, but they're also in Boston. So today we have a very special guest. He's a founder of a coding bootcamp, and they're based out of Boston. They just expanded to Philly. So I think a lot of our listeners will find this episode very interesting. Ruben, can you please introduce the guest? Yeah, thank you, Timor. And like you said, you know, Dan Pinkett, who we're interviewing today, thank you, Dan, for being with us, is based in Boston. He grew up in Worcester. Shout out to Worcester. And he started a program called Launch Academy. Launch Academy is amazing because it's graduated over 500 people. They've expanded to Philly and they're doing amazing work. Dan is an interesting guy, not just because of his, his knowledge and his passion for education, but he also started his first company at 15. He's entrepreneurial, he's hungry, he's passionate, um, and he's going to talk about a lot of things that aren't just covering education. I'm just going to talk about standardization and, and some of the backgrounds of the people that are in his program. And, we're really excited that he shares our enthusiasm. We we love his mission. We love his work. And Dan, can you you know kick it off and just kind of tell us a little bit more about why you're passionate about this stuff and you know a little bit more about how you grew up? Yeah, thanks, Ruben. Yeah, so I grew up in the Boston area, about 40 minutes south uh, of Boston in a town called Bridgewater. And uh, it's interesting how my entrepreneurial journey kind of started. Believe it or not, it started, I think, in many ways how people sort of break into startups is sort of uh, through tribulation, through challenges, right? 
so in high school, you know, uh, sports are usually a big deal, athletics and sort of being involved. And actually, when I was a junior in high school, they actually cut my entire junior class off what? the hockey team. Yeah. And, you know, as a high school student, so much of your identity is sort of tied to that. You know, yeah. uh, you, you wanted I, to be that I had big a Paul, star. I had a Paul Pierce jersey in high school. Shout out to the Celtics. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, you know, uh, essentially, I was like, what now? What am I going to do? And I always had an interest in computers back in the day. You know, you download Doom off of a bulletin board system. It would take like two or three days or something like that. You know, and I always loved gaming and, and playing around with computers. And I was fortunate enough to have an uncle that was in the field. And he would be, quickly became my mentor and kind of pointed me in the right directions. And I actually started landing a lot of contracts and sort of consultant gigs, just kind of fixing computers, setting up networks, doing like DevOpsy type things. And I really just fell in love with it. And it was a wonderful way for me to expand out from high school. I wasn't super challenged in high school. So it was a, a cool challenge to learn how to sell my services, how to deliver and please the client and that kind of stuff. So that's sort of how I got started. And interestingly enough, you know, as I was, I was kind of heading into college, I quickly realized that in IT, you know, people kind of only call you when shit's broken. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, you know, I really started to mess around with software and with my uncle's sort of encouragement and nudges in the right direction. I learned how to build websites. I learned how to build databases. And before you know it, I was into full-fledged web development. Awesome. And, and it's great that, that you had a family that supported you. A family is really important. And I love the way that you opened up the conversation talking about conflict and barriers and struggle and how you know that brought you to up to this point. And a lot of times when you're dealing with people that are calling you when things are broken, you learn how to listen and respond. And what, what are some of the things that you... I learned during that experience responding to people while things were broken that helped you and what you're doing today. Yeah, so a, a big tenant of what we espouse here at Launch Academy is software is a communication problem first, right? Software is all about conversations between each other as as peers and collaborators and developing software, but even more so in really understanding what the problem and what the need is from either the product manager or the if you're an entrepreneur the customer themselves, right? So really being able to develop those listening skills and not rushing to a solution and really feeling the underlying pain that people are feeling is really just so key to actually adding a lot of value. So we focus a lot of our curriculum here and a lot of my experience has shown me that you need to be really great at asking good questions and sort of focusing in your dialogue to be almost an investigative reporter and not necessarily make assumptions or offer solutions prematurely, because often the first response is not the response, right? I think it was Henry Ford that said, you know, if I asked everybody what they wanted, I, they'd say faster horses, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a great point, because as an engineer, a lot of the times, if you're too quick to just jump to the implementation part, then you're going to spend a lot of time spinning your wheels, redoing the work without clarifying what the requirements are from the product and the design teams. So I think that's a great point and a great takeaway because especially for people who are just becoming engineers, you do want to be able to analyze the situation, do due diligence to see has this problem already been solved before in, your, in the code base before you start hacking on something completely new. So I think that's awesome that you're teaching this to your students. And we'll get more into the, the academic piece of Launch Academy 
Can you tell us, um, let's take a step back and can you tell us what led you and what experiences led you to start uh, Launch Academy? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, I was always an entrepreneur. For whatever reason, something lit that spark very early on. And I feel very blessed and fortunate to kind of have that spark. And if you have that spark in your 15 or 16, don't let your age get in the way. Don't let it be a barrier. You know, I can remember how much actually it was useful in my in my sales conversations because I was able to be like the hip kid that knew the latest <laughs> technology and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was really, really fun. So I would just say, don't let your age be a barrier if you're interested in, in entrepreneurship. But um, essentially, I was a director of engineering at a startup here in Boston. It was called gazelle.com. Really loved building up the team and building skill sets. You know, my personal mission is to help people become the best versions of themselves. So, you know, did that as director of engineering, loved that, and quickly kind of got gained the confidence that I didn't need an MBA. I didn't need to go to Harvard or MIT, which are big MBA schools here in Boston. You know, you could do it. And the entrepreneurs and the uh, executives that was running this startup, I learned that they're just trying to do their best. They're just like me. They're flawed. They are figuring out as they go along, right? So it was really important for me to have those models that gave me the confidence to break out full-time and run a software consultancy. Yeah. So it sounds like it's not necessarily about just engineering. It's like, who do you want to be and how does engineering help you get there? And kind of reminds me of the post that Team One Archer, you know, collaboratively, like we all wrote this thing called the reality breaking startups that the first product you build is yourself. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you, do you guys go any deeper on that type of thing? And when you were thinking about starting this thing, did you like embed this into the core values and say, hey, you know, I'm this director of engineering, but like, what do I ultimately want to do with this skill? Is that kind of like what drove you to start the, the school? Yeah, you know, so much of our program is about self-discovery, right? We're putting you through a very intense and trying experience. And we've found people really dig deep and find the confidence and conviction that they can do this stuff. And that's really why I think so many of programs like Launch Academy have become successful, because we put you in an environment where you're going through that trial, going through that tribulation with others that are right there with you. So you're not suffering in silence. You're not suffering alone, right? And those peers and those colleagues and ultimately folks that become really strong friends, they push you to rise to that best version of yourself. So by design, the curriculum and just by the intense nature of the program, we tend to get that and draw that out from our students. Got it. Got it. Nice. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about um, kind of like, so you came up with the idea to start a bootcamp. But at the same time, there's a lot of boot camps already in the space. I know you've been, you started this boot camp in 2012 when there were this notion of, hey, you can come from a, a complete beginner or someone with a very, like, with somewhat of an experience as an engineer and then become a fully fledged software engineer making six figures. How did that idea even come to you? And uh, what steps did you take in order to ensure that all of your students were able to actually get jobs? after they graduated from your school. And how was it differentiated from everybody else? Awesome, awesome questions. So actually, it's interesting how Launch Academy came to be. So I was running a consultancy and I really enjoyed working with early stage entrepreneurs, usually either angel or seed funded, some series A, series B startups, and kind of jumping on a whiteboard and helping them architect their solutions. And we really established our name 
in the Boston area of being very, very proficient in that. And sooner or later, I got to this point where I had more business than I could deal with. And so as a result, I needed to hire. And this was a really big deal for me, I think. Good for any, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So making those first hires was like a very big deal uh, for an early stage entrepreneur. And I felt really strongly that it was important to find people that were hungry. And it was important to uh, find people that did not have preconceived notions. So that, and coupled with it being really hard to find a developer, this was true then, it's true now, I decided to find the hungriest people in the Boston development community that I could find and help them become Rails developers at the time. The focus was on Ruby on Rails. So I found three wonderful individuals, and they really helped build the apprenticeship model that we know and love today at Launch Academy. But interestingly, I kind of came at Launch Academy in the boot camp in a, a unique way. Actually, I was planning on doing and trying to figure out a lot of different training ideas and training concepts because I love teaching. And uh, I was kind of spinning my wheels. You know, I think you on the surface, an entrepreneur's journey always looks like a straight line. It's actually really messy. Mm-hmm. And, and what, uh, what are those three people's names? And can you talk a little bit about the apprenticeship model? Because like we talk a lot about teams building organizations and we love you, but we also want to show love to the team too. So who are those three people? Yeah, so definitely shout out to John Gizmondo, Eric Kelly, and Jason Zoff. They were instrumental in the beginning of Launch Academy. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and did you start Launch Academy by yourself, or did you have any co-founders who helped you build this school? Yeah, so I was spinning my wheels, right? I was working with recruiters to try and transition, say, like Java or COBOL developers into more in-demand languages. I was trying to get corporate training going. I just knew that I wanted education to be part of our offering. And uh, it was actually through a friend in a professional organization that we're actively involved in uh, called RailsBridge, which is trying to bring more women and underrepresented folks into software engineering. And my buddy there that was organizing that, Dan Choi, connected me with my business partner, Evan Charles. And he said, you really should talk to him. I think he's got a unique and innovative idea that's in line with some of the goals that you have around training. So we met at a place in Cambridge, now defunct, actually called Voltage Cafe, where a lot of startups were born, a lot of deals got made, a really, really cool place. And we founded the business right there. And that was the beginning of Launch Academy. Nice. Nice. So, Can you talk a little bit about the apprenticeship model? Yeah. So essentially, the whole premise was, I'm going to pair program with these individuals, right? I'm going to take them on uh, and I'll pay them a decent salary. And within three to six months, I want to get them to a place where I can assign them user stories or pieces of functionality and have them do those independently. And all three uh, of those initial team members exceeded all expectations. I think uh, within two months, I had them practicing. Sorry to throw buzzwords at you, but things like test-driven development, which at the time was a, a very unique capability. Things like being able to jump on a call with a client and understand the requirements of a particular user story. So whatever it was, it was kind of very reinforcing that if you find the right people and you give them the right tools and you give them the right chronology of things to learn, they can be successful. So it was very much on the job sort of training and learning in that initial run of the apprentice model. Yep. So it sounds like initially you didn't come up with the idea of like, oh, I want to run a 12-week boot camp. But over time, you iterated, you evolved the model, you wanted to scale um, this educational model. So you, you ended up with forming this program. Can you tell our listeners uh, 
because a lot of them are at a point now where they're looking at various schools online. They're still deciding if they should go to a school in New York or the Bay or stay in Boston. So what would you say is the biggest difference? And what would be like kind of like your pitch for why they should do Launch Academy? So Launch Academy was born out of the community connections that we have here in Boston. So the community that we've built and sort of integrated into really runs quite deep. So if you're in Boston, there's a real significant opportunity to stay in Boston and become a wonderful part of that community. And we're starting to see that in Philadelphia. In fact, that's a main reason why we decided to expand in Philadelphia. There's so much similarity between the two cities in terms of the intensity and loyalty of the communities. So we're really trying to establish ourselves there and and really be active in the community. I think from a service standpoint, there are two things. One, we are very well known for the academic rigor, right? So we actually have assessments in Ignition and in our on-campus program to basically make assertions that students understand the material. We care deeply about understanding and making sure that consistently we're graduating students that understand what we're teaching them. So those assessments give us the ability to sort of course correct and intervene with students that may be struggling through the material. It's a lot of material we throw at them. And then secondly, I would share that our career services is top notch. We've got a full-time dedicated team of four people that really have baked an awesome curriculum and are committed to you for life, actually. But one thing that's unique about us is we have lifetime access. Our students have lifetime access to postgraduate services, both on the technical side and on the career services side. So it's a, it's, it's a long-term commitment and a commitment to excellence that really sets Launch Academy apart. Yeah, and there's a lot of boot camps out in San Francisco and uh, New York, and I'm pretty familiar with like the job market stats. So can you tell us a little bit more about Boston area and kind of what is the I guess, bootcamp grad demand from employees and also what kind of companies uh, are hiring. I know in New York, it's probably more like finance companies. In the Bay, it's more tech focused. Boston having these amazing colleges like Harvard and MIT, like what types of uh, companies are even looking to hire these uh, bootcamp grads? Yeah, great questions. So the Boston community is very strong. And I would say it's also not very crowded from a bootcamp market standpoint. So Our grads are able to stand out and I think differentiate themselves in the wider sort of junior developer market here in Boston. Our students are going to work for companies like Fidelity, John Hancock, so some financial houses, but also some early stage and mid-sized startups, places like uh, Kogo Labs, uh, HubSpot, and other sort of growing startups that are either in Series A, Series B, or even post-B rounds. And then we sort of have uh, those smaller consultancies and in, in fledgling startups that are maybe five or seven person teams, and they're just getting started ramping up their development effort. So really runs the gamut. And what's really cool is we start to see how our graduates will polarize in one direction or another. And we try to leverage people's previous backgrounds to position them well for those types of roles. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, for uh, people who are interested in applying, um, what sort of preparation would you advise them to do beforehand and also preparation in order to pass your uh, entrance exam? Can you just share great. some tips? Yeah, great question. So in our interview, we're looking for two things. A, do you love coding, right? What is it about coding that captivates you, right? So 
we understand that there is tremendous upside right now in becoming a software engineer, right? From a career potential standpoint, from an earning standpoint, right? But we're looking for folks that really want to become developers for the love of code, right? That's where our roots come from. And that's how we've been able to be successful in Boston. So we're looking for that. And we have sort of ways to do that without necessarily requiring a technical entrance as part of the interview. So we ask a few questions to really try to draw that out, draw that passion out, and really disqualify those that may be interested exclusively for the earning potential or exclusively for the career upside. So we're very passionate about that. And then secondly, we're looking for folks that will be able to maximize the value of our kind of learning environment, right? So our learning environment is not for everybody. It's a super intensive program. We throw all kinds of material at you over an 18-week period. And it's not for everyone. Not everyone can learn at that pace. Not any everyone is as collaborative as we are in our approach. So, you know, we want to make sure that our pedagogy, our andragogy is in line with the candidate. Yeah. And can you discuss, like, so in those 18 weeks, how is it broken up? And then what type of projects or curriculum a typical student may expect? Yeah, awesome. So what's really cool about our curriculum is it evolves literally every quarter. So our staff, the way the Boston office runs is we run four cohorts a year. So four times a year, we get an opportunity to overhaul a substantial part of the curriculum. So right now, uh, the program is basically 50-50 between Ruby and Rails and JavaScript and React.js. And our Ignition program, which is the eight weeks before you arrive here on campus, we ask that students put in about 20 hours of time. And the objective there is to A, ensure the folks that we've admitted do in fact love coding and are willing to put in the time to make it a successful career path. But B, we want to get everyone at a common baseline, right? So one thing that you may hear a lot of founders and educators talk about is the polarity that can happen in adult education. We want to get everybody on day one when they arrive here in Boston or in Philly to a common baseline so we can teach everybody at the same pace and teach them the same skills. So the first eight weeks is really a focus on the fundamentals, HTML, CSS, the fundamentals of JavaScript and DOM manipulation with jQuery, and also Ruby and object-oriented programming. So we pack a lot into that Ignition program. And not everybody makes it through that program. And that's sort of the way that we assess the technical proficiency and technical capability of students before they join us here on day one. And is Ignition part of the 18 weeks? And is it part of the full program? Because I know there are some schools that have a kind of a prep course. So is the Ignition like a more, remote program? Yeah. Is the Ignition more of a prep course or is it uh, part of that 18 weeks? It's a totally a requirement and a component of the successful on-campus program. So every student will go through that eight-week period in that eight-week eight learning experience. And they'll actually do what we call systems checks, which are special projects that assess learning as you progress through that program. And essentially, what can happen is students, A, didn't realize the amount of time that it would take to be successful in going through Ignition, so they end up deferring to another cohort. Or B, they realize that coding is not for them, we wish them well, and we move on with this, with the folks that are excited and enthusiastic about software engineering. So Ignition sort of serves as that proving ground, as that opportunity to kind of really assess whether software engineering is something you're passionate about. Yeah, and I'm sure some of our listeners now have questions. So what is the payment model for the bootcamp? And then the people who don't make it through the first eight weeks, 
do they get a portion of the tuition as a refund or how does that work out? Yeah, great question. So usually in most circumstances, students just realize that they needed to put more time into Ignition. So 90% of the time, students will defer to the next cohort in a, and join us next quarter. So that happens. And if it is a for-cause withdrawal, meaning we think that we're just not the right school for the student, we'll give them a full refund. Gotcha. Uh, you know, our refund policy is a lot more permissive on our end, but we think it's the right thing to do. And if we didn't catch that in the admissions process, that's on us. Yeah. Uh, so we issue a full refund and, and wish people well. Yeah, that's awesome. really cool. So then, uh, and then just to clarify again, the Ignition program is in person or is it a, a remote thing you could take online classes and stuff like that? Yeah, thanks for clarifying. It's a, it's a virtual program, virtual program. Uh, in okay, part-time. Okay. So mm-hmm. f- students can take 20, 20 hours a week at their leisure mm-hmm. to kind of work through that curriculum. Okay, uh, awesome, and we, awesome. We have, we have dedicated staff members on chat support by a Slack chat that can help students through any trials or challenges that they're working through. Yeah, and I think that's very interesting because everyone does start out at a different point. So I know there are some boot camps, and in my case, I had to spend... Um, a lot of time, probably more than just eight weeks, just like learning how to code, making sure that this was right for me. And I was kind of doing it on my own. And then I had to take the entrance exam into the bootcamp. It sounds like in your model, you spend those eight weeks uh, telling students what they need to know and you're providing that mentorship. And then again, they almost take like this entrance exam, but it sounds like it's more project-based. And then once they've proven themselves, they become part of the in-person on-site program, right? Yeah, that's that's more or less accurate. You know, our students in Ignition are working through original curriculum that's both recorded video and lesson text that is tutorial-like in nature and kind of gives people a, a deep dive on a particular concept. And then we'll ask them to do a challenge. So that's sort of the flipped classroom challenge-based learning approach that we take in all of our education here. And they'll repeat that process about four or five times every week over that eight-week period, and that will give them that baseline of proficiency. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. So can you just tell um, tell us a little bit about the makeup of these classes? Is it mostly people from um, non-traditional backgrounds? Do you have any computer science majors who just want to acquire a new skill? Do you have entrepreneurs who want to build companies? What is that makeup of the students in your class? And also maybe talk about like gender balance and anything else that um, you've noticed over the years. Yeah, so we have a saying that there's no typical launcher. So we call our students launcher. And every launcher brings with them a different background. We see a lot of musicians. We see a lot of folks with either a finance background or a liberal arts background. And they kind of usually typically somewhere between 24 to 32. And they've had some success in their initial career, sort of what they decided to graduate and pursue. But they just feel like it's kind of empty. They, they're not getting much out of it. Uh, so everyone kind of shares that common drive to change and to find something that's a little more interesting and stimulating for them. But we've had folks with no college degree. We've had folks that were working at uh, Dunkin' Donuts and sleeping on a friend's couch to basically save up the money to come to our program. We've had bartenders uh, come through our program. It, it really runs the gamut. But that one key piece that we're looking for is that passion for code, that drive to create. That's what we're really looking for in our, our students. Yeah, that's really cool. Over the years, 
Have you noticed any patterns amongst students that tend to excel? We always like to analyze like people who have leadership skills and people who kind of have those abilities. Uh, and we know that a lot of those abilities were acquired through practice. But have you noticed any patterns amongst the students who succeed and go on to uh, build great products and um, find great jobs? Oh, wow. We'd, we'd probably need another hour to dive through all of them. But uh, if I were to digest a few, I think the students that are most successful here don't just accept an answer at face value, right? So if we're walking them through a solution or helping them at the pairing stations, the students that I've seen really shine are the ones that don't just accept the direction or the uh, sort of the, the solution that's being presented. They ask why. Okay, why didn't that work when I did it? And why is your solution better than the one that I provided? That inquisitiveness, that sort of interrogation tells me that when they get on the job, they're not just going to accept direction and move forward, right? They're going to be a contributing member of that software team and ask the right questions to get to the solution. So usually that's one thing that I very much look for in an aspiring software engineer. Gotcha. Yeah, that's very true because I think in any field, a lot of the times asking why and probing deeper will actually lead you to so many more discoveries. And a lot of the times you'll be surprised that a lot of the times people don't even realize, people giving you direction don't even realize why they've been doing it for so long. So just having that discussion about what works, what doesn't, what are the trade-offs will uh, help them not only make the right decision, but also make you remember the right answer and not make that mistake again, which is really cool. So what are some um, numbers in terms of how many students uh, went through Launch Academy what is your graduation rate? And then uh, some, I know some boot camps publish like rates on uh, how many people actually, like the placement rates. Can you share some of those numbers for Launch Academy? Yeah, absolutely. So we've graduated over 500 students. Our lifetime placement rate is 95%. So within six months of graduation, 95% of our students mm-hmm. receive jobs. We are regulated by the Department of Professional Licensure that requires us to report those numbers a little bit differently. And this is a big topic of discussion in the industry right now is how do we calculate these rates? What is fair to the consumer? What is transparent to the consumer? So I'll just walk through sort of how that's calculated briefly. For the DPL, essentially what we calculate is over the last two years of graduates, how many of them have found a position within six months? And that is currently at 88%. And it's important to note that in that calculation, what actually becomes a part of it is some of those computer science majors that are taking the course over the summer, or some of those folks that may be starting businesses, we actually have to include them in those numbers for regulatory purposes. So, you know, I would just share, and I think that this is an ongoing discussion in the space, that the way in which these numbers are calculated can vary very, very much. We plan to publish a transparency report that shows exactly how these numbers are calculated, exactly the raw data of job statistics, income levels, and things like that, just because it only serves the customer to inform them as much as possible. We want everyone to know what they're getting themselves into, what they're buying with us. And it's great to see that happening in the industry as well. Yeah. And I love the fact that you're... um you guys are trying to make it more transparent because there's a lot of private institutions like Trump University and 
similar to those that kind of have made a bad name for private schools. And uh, I think the bootcamp model is completely different because they actually, like bootcamps actually produce results. But at the same time, now there is, I think the latest stat is that there's like 300 bootcamps out there in the United States alone. So there's destined to be people who also make a bad rap for the bootcamps out there. So I think it's super important that you're also very transparent about the numbers. And I know in my case, one of the things that I did in my due diligence before uh, applying to App Academy and looking at other bootcamps was just going on LinkedIn and looking at people who graduated from these schools and verifying that there are people working at all these great companies who actually acquired the skill by going through the school. So to everyone who is um, interested in doing a bootcamp, don't just rely on the on what the bootcamp says. Read articles online. Also, go to LinkedIn and even connect with someone who went through the school and grab a coffee with them or get on a get on a ten minute phone call and find out for yourself. Yeah, this being a new industry and in some of our early adopters in the space, they love to talk about their experience. They want to tell people about the bootcamp experience, what people should know. So I would just encourage people to not take what people are saying publicly at like full value. The best and most fruitful conversation is going to happen. Like you said, uh, Timur, I think that was awesome that you did that, is reach out to people on LinkedIn and ask them, ask to buy them a coffee or jump on a Skype like we're on right now and get the real story. Get the perspective of the student. There's quite a bit of echo chamber kind of stuff happening in the space right now. And we rely on the testimonials and perspectives of our students to really tell people that we're delivering what we say we're, we're, we're set out to deliver. Awesome. And uh, can you tell us a little bit more about like kind of your expansion plans and where do you see Launch Academy going over the next few years? Because there's definitely like a huge demand for engineers and the tech industry is, keeps on disrupting more and more companies and industries. So kind of where do you see Launch Academy going uh, in the near term? So our vision is to help as many people as possible love what they do, right? So when I was growing up, and uh, we've seen it here too, there's so many people that go to work every day and spend 40 hours of their waking lives working in a job that they hate, right? So we want to help as many people switch, change as possible. And for us, code is just the beginning. And we know software engineering. We're very comfortable with software engineering. So expanding the software engineering education is something that we're very passionate about. So we've opened in Philly this year. We'll open in two new cities and have a little bit of a special twist that we'll be announcing soon to those cities. And you know, for us, we just want to try to teach as many people an, a skill set, a capability that will help them change their career and change their lives. So that's the, the long-term vision. And in doing so, we want to make sure that we're keeping in mind that there is a significant diversity problem in software engineering and that the barrier for those that are underrepresented in software engineering, uh, female identifying individuals, people of non-traditional backgrounds that I think a lot of your listeners have, you know, we really want to encourage those folks to get involved. So that's very part of our mission, very deep in our, sort of the core values of Launch Academy. So we are really doubling down on that commitment by making an education that's more accessible through our online program. So if you have caregiving responsibilities or you really can't quit your job, we want you to come and learn with us, benefit from our full-time on-campus immersive curriculum, but in a, a paradigm that's a little more flexible 
and offers you know the same quality of education, but just in a different sort of timeline. Yeah, and so that's can one. you describe some like kind of the format of that online course? Sure. Yeah. So our online course is a seven month sort of self paced orientation where students work through the phases of our curriculum, the same very same curriculum that our on campus students go through. And they get access to the same chat support that our Ignition students get. So there's somebody online available to help you through that curriculum Monday through Thursday, Saturday and Sunday. There's just awesome engineers that are there ready to help you. And you get a weekly one-on-one with a full-time team member here that allows you to kind of check in on curriculum, do some code review, get some pointers on the job hunt. And then once you graduate from the technical curriculum, we have the same career services sort of education and curriculum that students can go through and find jobs where they are, whether that be in, say, D.C. or San Fran or New York. So we help uh, students get ready for that as well. Yeah. So it's a virtual adaptation of our on-campus experience. Yeah, awesome. And I, I love the, the, the fact that you brought up job search. I think we definitely have a portion of our listeners who are interested in um, – acquiring the engineering skills, but we also have a lot of people who are just applying for various roles at startups. And it sounds like you've done a lot of work uh, starting your own companies, you've worked for, for startups, and now you're teaching, uh, you're preparing students who are graduating to enter the job market. So what would you say, like, what advice do you give your students that maybe someone who's not even applying for an engineering job can use in order to get them that dream job that they're looking for? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So if you're looking at a boot camp or you're considering a boot camp, I would say take the career services curriculum and the career services portions of the program as seriously, if not more seriously, than the technical aspects of the program. We're finding that students that love code, know code, and are technically proficient, well, that gets them about 60 to 70% there, right? But you have to be able to sell yourself. You have to be able to put yourself out there and get connected with the right people that are ultimately going to make you an offer. So I would say it's a hustle, right? You really have to go where other developers go through meetups, through online communities, through uh, hiring events, right? Startup events. Go where they go so that you can learn more about what they need and try to add value, right? That's the real big thing, right? Get into a community try to add value and really show people that you're A, passionate about what you're doing and passionate about the community, but B, you're willing to demonstrate and show that you can do what you say you can do. Those are the real keys, I think, to a successful job search. Yeah. And we always tell, uh, just like what you just mentioned, we always tell our listeners that if you have a compelling story, people will, will go out of their way to help you. And then we also emphasize that applying online, you're competing with hundreds of applicants. And there's nothing like grabbing a coffee with someone and then getting an advocate in the startup who will help you navigate the company's landscape, connect you to the right hiring manager, and eventually like be your advocate to help you land that job. So I think you hit the nail on the head. That's spot yeah. on. Yeah, there, there are all kinds of tactics. You know, the, uh, For me, I think one thing that I love is the accessibility of Twitter, right? So it's so easy to get somebody's attention, particularly like a mid-level developer that's working on a cool project that you dig. You know, 
just reaching out to them and saying, hey, you know, can you point me in the direction of a cool company or somebody that may be interested in hiring a junior developer? Like that accessibility, that opportunity to, to make a connection is unparalleled than what we've seen, you know, in previous generations of technology. Yeah. But there's so much to be said about being present at these meetups, in these communities, asking people for coffee and kind of doing that FaceTime to make the right connection that's going to ultimately land you the job. Yeah. And we always, we've said this on the podcast before, but when you are entering the job search, doesn't matter if you're doing engineering or a product or design, I guess the first step that you should do is not just apply for um, any position out there, but try to identify uh, companies that already have hired people like you. So that this could be a coding bootcamp graduate. This could be someone graduating from a design school and reach out to those people and connect with them because those people will relate to what you're going through now. And they'll be more likely to not only respond to you, but it also shows that the companies that they work for hired someone who went through a bootcamp. So that company is also more likely to hire you as well. So you'll be spending your time in a way more efficient manner by connecting with those people on LinkedIn. Yeah, totally. You know, one of the things that we get most excited about gets me out of bed in the morning is when we have our career kickoff events in our on-campus program, where we essentially try to bring together the hiring network in our students. When our launchers come back as hiring managers and actually are able to tell the story of how they kind of came up through the ranks after graduation, man, that's just so gratifying to know that our grads are now in managerial positions and are now making hiring decisions and can really be champions for our modality of education. Yeah. Can you share some of those stories with us? Yeah. So in our first cohort, we had a student that really was concerned that he did not have a college degree and he didn't have an engineering background. And I have never, up until that point, encountered a student that was so driven and so intentional about the way that they were learning and the way that they were progressing. And he really worked hard. He set himself apart in the group by staying late, working on side projects, honing, and again, asking why all the time from our staff members and from me personally. And he got to this wonderful place where he just stood out. Like It was very, very clear with distinction that this guy was going to be successful. Well, fast forward, he's now a director level person uh, at a local startup here. And everybody loves working for him because he's kind of come up from the ranks and he's come from that non-traditional background. So he's tremendously successful and we couldn't be more proud. Yeah, it just shows to um, shows what you can achieve even if you don't have a college degree, but you work hard, you grind, uh, and you hustle. That's really cool. So at this point in our podcast, we usually do the lightning round. And this is where we'll ask you several questions. And we ask you to give us brief answers, but fill them with fill the responses with tactics, strategies, any resources that you've used to start Launch Academy and any resources that you recommend for your students uh, as they're trying to break in. So Arthur, that sounds fun. Um, take it away. Yeah. And this question takes us back to the basics. So um, imagine you're moving to a brand new city. You have limited resources. So let's assume you only have $100 and you're starting you're starting from scratch. So what would you do and how would you kind of build yourself back up? It's a good question. I think first you got to find a place to crash, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a buddy or a family member 
in the city, in the location, you know, make sure that you get that covered, like making sure you got a, a roof over your head and a, a warm meal at least once, once a day. Uh, that's a great start. But for me, it's, it's find the most well-attended meetup in a technological discipline that you're in and start learning about the community, who the influencers are and who are sort of the companies that are hiring junior engineers and start setting goals in the direction of what you need to do to break into those types of companies. Yeah, that's really good advice. And going back to um, the point of um, like the point of you starting Launch Academy, and I'm sure there was a lot of rejection that you faced and a lot of struggle. Was there any piece of music or um, a movie that you've seen or you watched in order to help yourself get back up and uh, break in or launch? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's two quotes that I live by coincidentally from two historic World War II figures. So FDR's, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And uh, Winston, Winston Churchill's, if you're going through hell, keep going. And those two quotes really guide me on a daily basis because there's a lot of fear uh, for our students too, uh, in terms of putting everything on the line and really you, you have to push through, right? So that's the other piece where like, if you're going through this intensive program, and, and it, it's, it can feel sometimes like hell, right? Like you're working really hard. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure. Dude, to get out of that is to keep going and keep hustling, keep trying to work at it. So I really love those quotes. Yeah. You know, I would share too that a lot of people don't know, actually, I'm a, I'm a total self-help nerd and uh, I'm a big on self-performance and improving myself. And Tony Robbins has actually been a really big influence in my life. I'm actually a big fan of Tony Robbins as well. Have you been to any of his uh, like conferences or seminars? Yeah, I actually, uh, two years ago, went to UPW. I think it was in Jersey, actually. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful Jersey in the middle of winter. But uh, it was an awesome, awesome experience. I actually had uh, two members of our engineering team join me for that. I really, really got a lot out of the program. Yeah, we've been pretty big into self-help as well since we were probably in high school, just reading about um, kind of mindset, setting goals self-improvement. So if you haven't been uh, checking out any of the books, definitely read up on Tony Robbins. There's a great documentary called I'm Not Your Guru on Netflix. And uh, you should everyone should totally watch it. And then if you like that content, then just YouTube Tony Robbins. He has so much amazing advice about careers, financial education, and so much more. Yeah. So the next question in the lighting round is, so if you're giving advice to someone who is just starting out, kind of what, what is one thing you would recommend them to do? Yeah, it's it's interesting actually. It kind of plays off of Tony Robbins and in, in my thoughts there. I think it's very easy to discount the importance of personal psychology and your mindset. And I would just encourage people to have some kind of practice in the chaos, in the journey, in the struggle, right? To have something that anchors you and keeps you sane, right? So this for could me, be it's gym or yeah, keep going. Yeah, meditation, exercise, even time with family, but like just be ultra protective of that time. I can't stress enough as an entrepreneur and somebody learning code, like it can be very addictive, right? And you can get fully immersed into it. You can get totally uh, sort of tunnel visioned sort of into this perspective of I'm just going to forget about everything. The long term effect and impact on that is you're going to burn out, right? So have some kind of mindfulness practice, some kind of relaxation technique. To manage that personal psychology. Yeah. And I, I can definitely relate to that as well. Cause when I finished App Academy, 
and I was applying for jobs, just getting rejected left and right. I sent out a couple hundred applications online and I was just rejected. And I would go go to like on-sites at companies and I would also get rejected. And it does hurt. But to your point about having that anchor, I always knew that I had my friends there for me. I also knew that I can. I was big into like waking up early and working out and then sending out five cold emails to new companies and generating that kind of the pipeline. So having that in place always brought me back in to say, hey, like, as long as I keep doing those things, I'm going to find a job sooner or later. I just have to keep doing it and keep grinding. So I think that's an amazing advice. So the next question that we ask is, having gone through this process, was there anything that surprised you about or surprised you or something that you didn't expect going in? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I would share that as an engineer, as a practicing professional, and as a business owner doing software development, I really did not fully understand and grasp the friction of having somebody underrepresented in tech actually break in, right? And I think it's very easy for the white dude that I am to kind of say, oh, you know, we're a welcoming environment. You know, we have special events for beginners and things like that. But I really have seen through Launch Academy and through other educational programs and even our open house last night that getting in and and feeling included and feeling part of this community is a really tough thing to overcome. So I really think that all of us as practicing engineers need to go out of our way to be ambassadors to those folks and make them feel welcome in whatever capacity we can. Yeah. And um, like you've dropped so many gems throughout this whole interview. And I think a lot of our listeners who are considering coding bootcamps will definitely benefit from just learning about your experience and kind of what type of um, perseverance your students have to uh, learn these new skills. So for people who want to reach out and get in touch with you, what is the best way to contact you? And then what is your website and kind of overall, what's the kind of what's your online presence? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter and I love Twitter conversations. I haven't been as active as I would like to, but uh, please hit me up on Twitter. I'm D Pickett, D P I C K E T T. I'd love to learn any takeaways that you had, any struggles that you're going through. Like, let's get a dialogue started. And if it's of a personal nature, you're not interested in putting it out on the Twitters, just drop me an email. I'm at uh, dan at launchacademy.com. And you can find us at launchacademy.com. And there'll be ways to get in touch and apply and learn more about the program on the site there. That's really cool. And we are uh, looking forward to meeting you hopefully in person uh, in the next uh, few months. Uh, and uh, yeah, to all of our listeners, check if you're in Boston, especially or in Philly, definitely check out and uh, just remember that everything is possible as long as you keep grinding. Yep. If you dream it, you can achieve it. Exactly. <laughs> awesome, Dan. Well, it was a pleasure. Um, We'll keep you updated on anything else that comes up and uh, would love to have you back on in the near future. I'd love that. I had a great time. You guys are doing great work. Keep it up. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Have a great day. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in. Let's break in.